Okay, reading from the Chaitanya Bhagavat, Anchalila, chapter 11, verse 215. Jaya Jaya Sri Chaitanya Jaya Nityananda Jaya Dvaita Chandra Jai Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Dulamaya Sarva Anga Hasite Hasite Jenya Oila Prabhu Charana Dekite Realizing that the Lord had arrived the child, smiling and covered in dust, came to see him. Om Ajnana Timurandasya Gananjana Shalakaya Chaksur Unmulatam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Mano Bhishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Sayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Sapadantikam Panchakalpa Turubhyascha Kripa Sindhu Bhayebhacha Patitanam Pabhanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Nama Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Siyadvaita Gadadhar Shivas Adi Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So, greetings from New Jersey, where I'm sitting. Um, right before me is three windows to the outside, and I could see the beautiful... I don't know, 12, 14 inches of snow. I always like snow because I don't have to go outside and it gives me an excuse not to go outside. <laughs> so relishing that. Um, yeah, and you know, I just had a few minutes to look at the verses and these are always the ones that are the most challenging for me because it just describes the same thing again and again and again and again and again. The different symptoms of ecstasy, the devotees falling on the ground, the devotees crying, the devotees chanting, the devotees embracing again and again and again and again and and, and that's really a, a higher subject matter that's priyojana tattva that's the result the goal rasavai saha the goal is this thrill at a moment when you're feeling that energy between you and god and that energy is your loving relationship our eternal relationship with God that's eternal and real it has so much value and so much meaning and 
it's what we're really hankering for. We're kind of looking in this world somehow in the wrong places. I, I was listening to a tape of Prabhupada this morning as I was doing my puja. And he said, we have to be servant. You were the servant of God or were the servant of our senses. And he described that man is, is the worst criminal in terms of not being the servant of, uh, of ter in terms of being the servant of the senses. And he described the deer is, is allured by very beautiful sounds and an elephant. They have the she element, she ele elephant train to run ahead, but in a way that it takes the, 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 the male elephant, um, over a, a, a covered ditch and it falls in and it's captured and then for the rest of the life it's not free because it follows that sense and the deer the beautiful the the the, the um hunter plays his music and the fish it it, 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 it it grabs onto the tackle or the bait. Um, so in this way, kind of capture. Um, And that's the first platform of devotional service. That's why for Sambandhagyan, for the preliminary development of our understanding of our relationship with Krishna by understanding the relationship between Krishna and his energies, otherwise you won't understand Krishna. But the first thing, the first deity we worship is Madan Mohan. Madan means lust. And Mohan means to control or bewilder lust. So unless you control that relationship, which fortifies the, the, the bodily conception of life, unless that relationship is loosened, then it's hard to develop a, a relationship with Krishna. But once you develop a relationship to Krishna, once you, you, you surrender to Krishna, um, then you'll feel Krishna. And, and, and what is feeling Krishna? It's feeling the natural love that you have in relationship with God, which Prabhupada says is a thrill every moment. And once you actually have entered in, and, and, and that's our challenge, are we going to follow God or are we going to follow our senses and mind? And that's the challenge. But once one does that, that's the preliminary condition of bhakti. That's the door to bhakti. Because there's no love in selfishness. And selfishness means to whimsically follow your desires without consideration for others or for what is best.
But when you do, when you begin to enter that, then you begin to feel that energy, then that becomes your interest. Your interest becomes your relationship with Krishna and your interest becomes a vision of those people who have achieved what you are now preliminary tasting and are aspiring for. And then the, the reading of the, the sacred text becomes um, an emotional experience as much as it becomes an intellectual one. But without that, that kind of consciousness, one may just see it as, as rep, 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 repetitive. And it may not be that attracted, attractive to one unless one projects it, uh, projects on it something mundane, which is what one is attracted to. So when we ever have these sections, I become a little bit of, I talk about it because I, I need to couch it in some philosophy. If I just read it, then I'm not sure it has as much interest unless we have some preliminary understanding, some preliminary lens to, to look through it, to look at it so that it actually gives it some relevancy. Now, just uh, before that, I wanted to just share something from my morning meditation because I thought that would be something to add before we get into this text also is that it's so clear to me that the taste of bhakti is the feeling of mercy. That's the taste of bhakti. At least the beginning taste of bhakti is the feeling of mercy, kindness, undeserved from above. And therefore, the cultivation of humility is of prime importance to actually cultivate a taste for bhakti because the proud person never feels mercy because he always thinks he's entitled or deserves. So that feeling of, of, of God's mercy, of God's kindness, requires a realistic conception of ourselves and a realistic conception of God so that we can actually feel that sweetness. And when we feel that sweetness, when we feel that mercy, the drop of love, that being loved by God and getting his mercy, the drop of love that is put within our hearts becomes the taste of, of, of the holy name for us. It gives meaning to the holy name, which is basically a, a, a prayer that is vocative. I explained this, O Radha, O Krishna, that's begging for mercy. Your begging is not sincere unless you either have a legitimate, unless you realize, have a legitimate need and realize that you have a legitimate need. Just like someone may need help, like you may have been in a relationship with some person needs help, but they're not humble enough to accept it. 
and they don't even understand it when they get it. And that's actually our condition in this material world. We need help. And if we just reflect on it in any way, it becomes so apparent how much help we need, how weak we are, and, and what to speak of, of the, the weaknesses we have just by being born into a culture that's surcharged with opposition to spiritual life. And what the Shastra does, it tries to give us a, a reasonable perspective so we can understand God, we can understand ourselves, and we can understand the world. The second realization I had about chanting is how important it is to accompany it by reading the Bhagavatam. Prabhupada talked the process of chanting and hearing. It's just somehow or other, it's kind of mystical, but it enters the, the conceptions that the Bhagavatam gives are exactly the conceptions we need to chant the holy name. Is that exaltation of the person whose name we're chanting? And the realistic realization and the humility that comes from that understanding. And the the attract attract the attractive the attraction we get gain for those who have that wonderful sweet mood that they're they're surrendered to God and they're dependent on God and they have this kind of humility and they're they're free from selfishness. So I just thought I would add that at the beginning. Now Story we have is, is, is Lord Chaitanya took sannyas, became inspired to go to Puri to complete the internal reason for his descent, why he came for others, which is to taste the love of his devotees. And he's kind of being spontaneously directed and, and, and just in terms of devotion for, and Gita says, if when the senses are controlled, the super soul is at reach. So when you're moving on, on that direction of the super soul, it's not necessarily corresponding to an analysis of the world, it's corresponding to God's will. And therefore it may not be understood by others who simply Look at things based on logic, reason, and you know, an analysis of this world. That's why they're having so much problem throughout the Chaitanya Bhagavad of understanding Lord Nityananda. Because it's just moving by God's will. Like they say, like, like Leela, play. Why does a child do anything? Is there any reason for him doing anything? No, out of his joy, he's acting. So we have that sense here of, of the Lord just moving in, in a way and let 
And therefore, there's, it's a verse in the Bhagavatam that, you know, Vyasa may or may not know because he's connected and what's coming through him may not always have been intellectualized. So he may not even understand it. I always look at Prabhupada as that kind of connection and, and you just can't analyze every single move that he did and try to understand why he did it and why he said this and why he had, because it's directed by Krishna as part of his greater Leela of 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 of, of Gorlila, of Krishna consciousness being spread all around the world. He's directed by Krishna. So, Lord Chaitanya, but he does. He 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 sends Nityananda to tell the devotees who are in separation from him. We saw, of course, he told Mother Sachi, and she was devastated. And she, the only relief she had, and this is like the, one of the most beautiful philosophical points. The only relief she had is when she was given service for the devotees. And I've discussed that in other classes that Vaisheshabhu quoted this maybe from Dale Carnegie or some motivational speaker, but it's so relevant to Krishna consciousness. When you're in anxiety, find someone to serve. Because the anxiety is based on the selfish platform. <laughs> Transcend it. Get some pleasure in your heart. Get some taste in your heart by selflessness and service. Anyway, Nityananda goes. Mother Sachi's devastated. She hasn't eaten. Then he gives her the service, you please, your food is so nice, you feed the devotee, then she transcends to a certain degree. And now the devotees are going to Shantipur, where Lord Chaitanya told him to meet them. And he comes in and, and a child, only five years old, who will who, who, who be a branch, the son of Advaitacharya, but the main follower of, 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 of Advaitacharya, he, he came, hasate, hasate, smiling, hasate, hasate, but that's just smiling and smiling and charana. They could, hey, look, he, he is covered in, in uh, dula, maya, sarva anga, all his limbs, dula, maya, are composed or are covered with dust. But hasate, hasate, but he's smiling. And he came to see the Lord. Of course, that is purva samskara. Reincarnation means that a lot from our last life is carried on. And that's actually how you come to bhakti. By some type of maybe agyata sukriti in your previous life. Without knowing you served a devotee. Maybe a devotee came to your house and you were in India and you didn't even know he was a devotee, but you welcomed him because you were part of the Vedic culture. Dharmasya yapa vargasya nartata yapkopate. Dharmasya vargasya. Dharma leads to liberation. And how does it lead to liberation? Because when you are dharmic, you treat people properly. 
And in your life, one of those people may be a devotee and, and you'll be benedicted. So that's what happens. <coughs> Prabhupada said, no one can come to Krishna consciousness without some previous connection to it. And when he's talking about Krishna consciousness, he's talking about Uttama Bhakti, not the achievement of the highest consciousness, but the achievement of the highest practice which is I am worshiping God for the pleasure of God. Which is very rare because most people have motive. They want something. But when you come to the process of bhakti, you may come, uh, what's that verse? Four types of people coming. Someone may be curious. Someone may be seeking knowledge. Someone may be seeking money. Someone may be seeking. Distress. But if they become touched in the heart, then they may want to serve God. They want to come to the platform of selflessness, which we know is pleasing to the soul. We know that it's congruent with our nature. We just have so many samskaras, so many impressions in our, our consciousness, selfish impressions. I want this, I like this, with complete disregard for the needs of the soul. which is more a reason why the path of bhakti requires the mercy of a sadhu. Because without mercy, it's not possible to transcend. So anyway, this child is special. He's born in the family of Advaita Acharya. Suchinam Srimatam Gehe Yoga Brashta Prajayate. Aris, uh, if you're a fallen yogi, you're on the path, but you don't complete, you get born, Suchinam, a Brahmin, Srimatam, aristocratic birth. Anyway, he's born to Advaita Acharya. And, and somehow or other, he has this, this natural attraction at the very beginning. And he came and fell at the lotus feet of Gorachandra, and the Lord took the dust-covered child on his lap. Something about innocence becomes attractive because this world is a world of, of, of calculation and fear. We're so closed in heart because it's the world of exploitation and we're afraid of being cheated. That's why I like to make festivals and create a community where the common interest is above the self-interest so people can get that relief, the relief of vulnerability without the danger that that can pose. The relief where where you where where you can serve without the fear of exploitation, where you can put 
others before yourself without fearing to be cheated. So a child has that innocence. It's not in that world of calculation and it can be very, very attractive. And especially this was a very, very pure child. And he fell at the lotus feet and the Lord took him on his lap. The Lord said, oh, Achuta Dwaitacharya is my father, therefore we are brothers. So Lord Chaitanya was respecting elders, but respect and calculation for respect is very multidimensional. There's not just one thing, whether it's, it, it, it's age or gender or, or there's not just one thing, it's multidimensional. We tend to put things in simple boxes in the Western world. Like you have like Prabhupada disciples, non-Prabhupada disciples. That's that's a distinction that's important. But what happens when there's a non-Prabhupada disciple, like you know, that joined in 1978 and saw Prabhupada? Then, you know, their stature, their service, that's also calculated. <laughs> their bhakti, that's also calculated. So here it's a little complicated, the relationships, because Adwaitacharya is very senior. He's like a charger. He, he's the one that petitioned the Lord to come. He's much older. He's, a, he, he's the next generation up. So I guess from the standpoint of the devotee, he, he, he likes the humble position. So he says to the young boy, Oachuta, Adwaitacharya is my father, therefore we are brothers. And here's this little boy, he replies, by your sweet will, you, you, you become the friend of all living entities where the Vedas declare that you are the father of all. It's so nice that no one wants aggrandization, aggrandization, anyway, I forgot the word, anyway. No one wants to be in the center. That's the nature. One wants to be in the best position where they can serve. It's not a material calculation where we're vying for control. We're vying for service. So that's faith and that's faith in the right thing. That's faith in happiness. That's faith in devotion. I just want to serve. And what a struggle it is in the world because we're conditioned in other ways and, and the propaganda is the other way. But the Vaishnav really wants to be served. Nadanam Janam, the Sundarim, Kavitam, Vajagadish. I do not want 
Nadanam wealth, Najanam followers, Sundarim, beautiful women, beautiful opposite sex, Kavitam, learn it. I don't want any of these things. I just want service. I want devotion. That's not how I judge things within the world. So the child somehow has this realization. The Lord and the devotees smiled on hearing the statement of Achuta. They were all struck with wonder and thought. A child cannot speak such things. Who can know what great personality has taken birth as this child? So sometimes extraordinary things are, are, are carried on from previous births. I saw a couple of years ago one video on child geniuses at such an early age because it, it it's one of the proofs of reincarnation. If you're open-minded, one of the proofs of reincarnation is that even, uh, this is mentioned in the Yoga Sutras that even a, a child, a child is afraid of death, even though he hasn't experienced or understands what it is in this life. Because from the previous verse, the, the, the previous life, the trauma of that experience of losing all one's attachments to the extent that that, that that experience happens without a frame of reference and without knowledge, it's the most terrifying thing in the world. Because you lose everything. And, and, and that moment when, when that happens and the fear of it creates such an aversion for it that the samskara carries on to one's life, to next life, and it becomes one of the five kleshas or psychological underpinnings of all material desire, which is ignorance, a general conception of ignorance, which means that the, pu the pure, blissful, knowledgeable, living entity identifies with the impure suffering, um, ignorant condition. So that, that, that the, these are the psychological, they're called the five kleshas. That's the first underpinning is ignorance. Then asmita ego, that not only the identification that I, I am the body, but a particular conception of it based on the karma. That's what the false ego is. What the false ego is, this is what happens at the end of one's life. God understanding what's best for you according to your deeds and desires. Then the false ego delimits the consciousness to a particular type of body. And therefore, sometimes you identify as big, sometimes you identify as small, sometimes you identify as woman, sometimes you identify as man. So it's, it's a subtle material element that somehow takes the consciousness and fits it to a particular body. 
And then that identification with that particular body, not just the identification to be the enjoyer and controller, but the, the, the identification for the particular type of enjoyer and controller, that's the ego. And then raga, our attractions, and dvesha, our aversions, and then our fear of death. And it, that comes from a previous life. So, and, and that same way, someone could, great musicians, they may be generations of musicians. They said that Mozart, when he, when he conceived of a symphony, he can conceive of the whole thing as once, at one, at one thing. He can conceive of the whole composition. So there are child prodigies and, and, and that includes sometimes extraordinary devotees. So somehow he's five, but he already has this philosophical knowledge. At that time, Nityananda, who is an Antasesha, arrived from Nadi with a group of devotees because Lord Chaitanya sent him there to bring the devotees. When the devotees headed by Srivast saw the Lord, they began to loudly chant the name of Hari. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Krishna, Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama. Rama, Rama, Hare Hare. So the devotees, then they arrive with this kirtan and then they offer obeisances. And then they begin to cry as they held the Lord's lotus feet. Strong emotions, whether happiness or distress, dislodges the, affects the mind in such a way that it, 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 it then it affects the mind, which affects the prana. And the prana may come in contact, I think it's called tanmatra, the basic core material elements. So generally when, the, when there's great happiness or great distress, it causes an involuntary reaction in the highest spiritual sense is called sattvika bhav, but just in general of tears. So what is that feeling? They've lost the Lord of their life and now they're seeing him. They heard that he went away and he, and he went into the forest. He, they were informed that he went to the forest and he took sannyas. It always remembers, and I was remembering this morning also like, the nature of this COVID that keeps people inside, it may force a certain introspection that normally we may miss. I was thinking that myself, you know, I, I'd be going to Columbia and coming back and then I go to Russia and I'd be coming back, I'd be going, and, and, and that kind of occupies your mind. It, 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 it's somehow or other kind of, is an excuse to avoid contemplation. 
But when you, you know, when the life is changed like this, there's contemplation. And, and what is my contemplation? My contemplation, this is serious business. This temporary material world is full of suffering. Take shelter of the holy name of Krishna as your only business. It's how you can't get distracted. And then my realization is, is the greatest pain of a devotee. That, uh, Ramananda Roy asked, what's the greatest pain to, no, Lord Chaitanya asked to Ramananda Roy in this great Ramananda Samvad, this discussion between Ramananda Roy and Lord Chaitanya. And he asked, what's the greatest pain? And what is the greatest pain? The separation from the devotee. which we experience, but not to the degree we'll experience in the next 10 years. There's more and more of, of wonderful senior Vaishnavas who played such an important role in your life, leave. And you know, and your God brothers will be losing their friends and, and the, the whole thing. Therefore, Bori John said, this will be a decade of tears because strong emotions will affect the body in that way. So they, they're kirtan, wow, Lord Chaitanya, and then, they, and then they begin to cry and that, you know, the tears from the water element and then they held the, and they embraced, the Lord embraced all of them for he considered them equal to his own life. He's responsive. He took sannyas, it didn't mean that he didn't have affection for them. It meant that his mission and purpose required that he even sacrifice those relationships, at least to a certain degree. The vibration of devotees crying in distress purified the entire world. Those pious persons cried in ecstatic love for Krishna. By hearing that sound, all material bondage was destroyed. The treasure revealed by the mercy of Lord Chaitanya enabled everyone to relish mellows of love that are rare for even great personalities like Lord Brahma. Something extraordinary. After meeting the devotees, the Lord became jubilant. He then began to dance in the mellows of his own ecstatic love. He's in that mood of, of, of Radha's love for Krishna. And, and, and it's just so easy because it's so attractive. It's what you're spontaneously attracted to. You can do very easily. And this is high emotion in relation to devotees, in relation to God. So immediately, and then devotees immediately begin to sing. And the Lord is, is repeatedly roared. He's telling them, chant, chant, chant. He's so enthusiastic. The joyful Nityananda grabbed Advaita and secretly took dust from his feet.
the dust of the feet. Just honoring a person, just the mood of honor. I described that in, in, in Hindi, the term for sh shoemaker, shoemaker, the guy that fixes shoes, he sits on the side of the street. Because, you know, I'm just looking even at my room, the, the, the amount of clutter and, and the amount of things we collect and, and just like hankering, man, just like live in India and that hot weather and just like two doties and your bead bag and that's it. So, the dust. So yeah, I remember now. So the shoemaker is called mochi, while the mochi is moochie. Mochi means dirty, the person who deals with the dirt. And here you're taking the dirt. The thing that is considered the most outcast and low, one is putting on their head. So what does that mean? How you're honoring the lowest part of a person is honoring the whole person, the feet and getting the dust of the feet. And there's potency there, there's Shakti there because God has deemed it powerful. And when taken in the right mood, it can purify one. How wonderful was the crying, shivering, hair standing on end, roaring, loud laughing, and moving of limbs manifest by the Lord. So these are all ashru, kampa, pulaka, hankara. These are all sattvika bhavs, involuntary, powerful, emotional responses, responses, bodily responses, emotional responses to very powerful emotions. So how wonderful it is. Lord Chaitanya is dancing and he's crying and he's shivering and he's roaring. His hairs are standing on end and he's loudly laughing. How sweet was the movement of his feet and how glorious was the movement of his hands. Why is it so glorious? Nityera Madhurya. When Lord Nityananda's dancing is described, the Lord's dancing, Nityera, Maduri, it's very sweet. Why? Because it's moving. How is it moving? It's moving by love. So within the actions is the consciousness of the person who's doing it. We can see that when someone is raged or someone is very loving. So this is the prema. They see the prema. They see the prema of the movement of his feet and the glorious movement of his hands. Kibi se madhurya pada chalana bhangi. Makiba se sihasta chalana dira mahima. How can I describe the sweetness of the ecstatic love he manifested? He then raised his arms and chanted, Hari, Hari. 
His ecstatic dancing was so wonderful that the devotees who saw it merged in an ocean of ecstasy, not an intellectual, sensual, but a spiritual ecstasy. Their hearts were bursting with this energy of love of God. The same Lord who the devotees had lost was now seen again. In their ecstasy, they all lost external consciousness as they happily danced on all sides of the Lord. Some fell on others, some embraced others, and some grabbed others' feet and held them to their chest. Some cried as they embraced others, and some spoke something to others. They all forgot everything in the happiness of their ecstatic love. The Lord of Vaikuntha danced with his associates. Such wonderful pastimes took place in this Lord world. Nothing could be heard other than Haribo, 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 brothers. Nothing can be heard. Only the thousand-headed Ananta knew the confidential mystery of the ecstasy that manifests in the house of Advaita. Then the Lord caught the Vaishnavas one and another and embraced them all. Now Lord Chaitanya is running around and embracing the devotees. Having received the embrace of the Lord, the devotees became especially intoxicated with ecstasy as they repeatedly roared out the names of Hari like lions, their maddened state increased again and again. So why shouldn't this be madness in the sense that it, 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 it's, it's, it's a complete consumption with one's spiritual emotions and not making the usual calculations you make based on fit, false ego and other considerations in the world. As the Lord of Vaikuntha danced with his associates and devotees, the earth swayed under the weight of his lotus feet. Okay, four more verses. The most effulgent Nityananda danced around the Lord with great enthusiasm. Advaita danced in ecstasy and roared loudly. Everyone caught hold of whosoever feet they could. Such was the ecstasy manifest in Navadweep in those joyful pastimes of dancing and chanting. After a while, Sri Govinda, Sri Mahaprabhu sat on the throne of Vishnu in his own ecstasy. So now he'll become in the mood of God. Okay. Jumunajaya, you like to share some? Arival yeah. Maharaj, thank you for that ecstatic, uh, that ecstatic scene. I would have, I would give anything to have been in that kirtan. I love it so oh, much. I, I'd like to be in the kirtan there with you. <laughs> the grabbing of the feet, I just love. Everyone's grabbing each other's feet. I love that so much. But I loved. Um, but you said uh, you gave such a really wonderful definition at the beginning of class about what selfishness really means. When you said um, it's whimsically to follow your desires without regard to others and what is best. 
And he thought that's such a great, like, that's it. Regards hey, read, that to others. read that again. I like that too. Yeah. So you said to, selfishness is to whimsically follow your desires without regard to others or what is best. That's a mic drop. Okay. You got it? I got it. You're catching it. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Anybody else? Hare Krishna Maharaj, Mr. Deshwari. Thank, thank you. you so much for thank you so much for such a heartfelt and touching um, explanation and description of Lord Chaitanya and his exchanges between devotees. One point I really appreciated um, when you mentioned about the attractiveness of the that there is something attractive in the innocence of a child. So it reminded me as well about. Um, what Srila Gorgovinda Swami said, he said that um, simplicity is Vaishnavism. He said that the real Vaishnava um, has a heart like a child, that there is no, no duplicity, no crookedness, no pretentiousness, and that as well they don't see the world through the prism of fear because they, they see the, everything in loving connection to Krishna. So I really appreciate that point. Wow. I feel like I grew up in New York. We were trained to be complex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were trained to our antennas out and check everybody out and find out what's going <laughs> and what's behind your back. Okay, that's really nice. Thank you, Thank you so much. Thank you, Maharaj. Thank you so much. Hare Krishna. Okay. Anybody else? Maharaj, Yudhisthira here. Hare Krishna. We'll speak tomorrow, I think. But um, I, I was a little bit in and out of the class. So, um, but about spiritual emotions, I had a question. If you covered it, I apologize and I can listen okay. to the recording. Okay. So there are, you know, we all hear about sentimentality and um, often, you know, we understand we're a mixture of many different things and feelings and emotions. So how to, you know, at this stage of my life, um, yeah, well, we'll speak, but tears come very easily, let's just say. Yeah. So, um, and it's either directed towards uh, sensitivity, towards other suffering, but more often than not related to, um, you know, missing Guru Mar my Guru Maharaj and, you know, physical yeah. presence and so forth. So, but how do we know when we're just, you know, wired, I'm, I'm wired more emotionally um, than most people I know, you know, like that. But it's not about being depressed. It's just the feelings that come out. And I don't want to jump to the conclusion of, you know, thinking that I'm advanced or anything, obviously. Well, I think there's, there's things, there's things that is just stupid, you know, just sentimental, you know, you just go by your heart and, and you don't even analyze things. And then there are sentiments that may not be connected with the spiritual thing, but are very helpful to be used in devotional service. <laughs> it's good to be soft-hearted. It's, you know, it's good to react and especially to shed tears in feeling separation from devotees. So wherever it comes from, if it's directed in the right place, it's a good thing. And the only thing we check it is when it comes to actions. 
you know, we, we question sentimentality when either it comes to, for, from to actions that are, you know, foolish, or it's done out of ego to impress others. So if it's not those two things, then it's just our emotions, it's our psychological nature. But if it's in relationship to devotion, it's actually a helpful thing. Oh, okay. Somehow I can't hear you. I don't know why. Okay, sorry. Yeah. So I asked Yuri Raj Maharaj um, this question and I'll share his answer. Um, so I asked him if Tamal Krishna Goswami, you know, and um, was, you know, I had limited experience. One time in Vrindavan, I arrived and as I was getting up from offering obeisances in the home where he stayed, um, he came over and embraced me before I know. And in the 17 years as his secretary, I didn't, he never did that. You know, he'd put his hand on my shoulder. He, I've had dreams about, you know, more physical embrace. Surely I've been craving it, you know, but um, he wasn't so much, you know, physically affectionate with his disciples, let's just say, you know, Um, some other gurus are like that. So I asked Guru Raj Maharaj, did he, did he hug you Maharaj? Was it long? Like Bibi Govinda Maharaj and uh, Ritavaj Maharaj came to my home uh, before a surgery that I had a couple of years ago. And their mood is, was like this long bear hug and making noises like cows, you know, mmm, right? Yeah. And it's ecstatic. Um, and I asked Guru Rajmaras, did Tamal Krishna Goswami, did he hug? Did you have long hugs with him or whatever? And he paused and said, well, Radnath Maharaj likes to hug. <laughs> so the insinuation was clear. And I wanted to know if you could share some of your experiences with that expression of affection. Of hugging? Yeah, just like like that, you know. I mean, it's a physical expression. Some are more... I'll just say this, too. It's described in Nectar of Devotion that there's different psychologies of devotees, and you can't just judge it by the external. It gave the example of a pebble in a pond. It's a small thing, but it makes a lot of external... um, things and another is a volcano in an ocean it's 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 a big thing but you don't see it so you know i saw i i saw Prabhupada was more like the volcano in the ocean you know he had, had strong emotions but it wasn't so you know vert and then you you saw other people and i'm, I'm not even want to relate it that it was less or anything that were more overt like krishna das babaji Maharaj, I remember we once in the Gurukul, we had a Ras Lila with these two American boys, Radha and Krishna, and he came and he sat there and the whole time he went like this. <laughs> you know, so it, it, it's, you can't really, and therefore it said, it's better to judge the Vaishnava, not by external things, but by, things you can measure, like, for example, your Guru Maharaj, Advyata Kalitvam, don't waste a moment in Krishna's service. You know, he had that, his whole management was this little pad in his pocket. Well, <laughs> you know. I said, in, in 
Yeah. So, that was the first thing he told me, get one of these with a yeah. little pen that would slip in. And, you know, every, you know, everybody had some complex thing, but, you know, moment by moment, he was like engaged and things and, you know, and different other things that people have, you know, taste for the holy name. And, and it's very, very difficult, you know. All we know is that Tamal Krishnamaj was very sincere. And, and I would just say sometimes he had a high degree of difficulty. You know, when, when you judge things like in sports and you were a sportsman, but you know, sometimes there's the degree of difficulty and then it, it, it's your performance gets multiplied by the degree of difficulty. So you know that, you know, he was such a, a, a person that would control the environment <laughs> to every degree. <laughs> so, you know, and then to, you know, th then to remain as a humble Vaishnava at the same time and have that nature at the same time, it's pretty extraordinary. <laughs> yeah, very much. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay, a few, thank you so much, Yudhisthira. We'll talk tomorrow. Other, anybody, other people just like to say hello for a second? Hare Krishna Maharaj. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Thank you for hey. the wonderful class. Thank you, Haribo. Good, you look very blissful today. Good. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Maharaj. Okay. Maharaj, Hare. I, I like to, to say a point you mentioned it is bhakti feels is mercy. Yeah, that's nice, right? That's what that's yeah, our nice. when we feel kindness. Okay. okay. And Maharaj, uh, I, I was. Uh, I, I thought of, uh, you said, why there shouldn't be madness or there should be madness when you were talking at the end. And uh, I also remember when we say that we sing uh, like a baby crying for his mother. And I always think that's yeah. madness too. So <laughs> it's... Uh... Anyway, I remember in Kali how you both would dance madly. <laughs> well, I remember that. I, I can tell you. It, it did. As soon as something started, you were the first ones in the back. <laughs> and then there was one time where you walked into this temple, you know, the Iskon temple. And, and I forgot you were dancing crazily and they couldn't even understand. It was like beyond the time you were supposed to dance or something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> something like that. Okay. Anybody else like to say hello? Hello. <laughs> Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, Narmasaki here. Hare Thank you for the wonderful class. Thank you so much. Hare Hare Thank you. Isabel, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. I'm in Texas today. Oh, okay. He's staying away from the storm. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, do you know about the uh, the temple there? We're, 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 we're in Texas. We're in San Antonio. Oh, there are devotees in San Antonio. Yeah, we've been researching. So we found it's a house and uh, it's about 300 members. Yeah, but um, I, I know there's a person, I know their name is Dweta. So if you meet someone called Dweta, say hello to him for me. What is it again? Dweta? Dweta. Okay. I'm going to write that down because I'm going to forget. Okay, <laughs> I will. Good. Thank you. Okay. Anybody else like to say hello? 
Hey, Krishna, go around. Welcome in there. Thank you for class. Enjoying the snow? Yeah. yeah. A couple days off from work. <laughs> you got to go to work today? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't. <laughs> okay. Okay. Anybody else? Hey, well. Say hello. Hey, Krishna. Kiko. Wow. You got the best backdrops always. Thank I you. I did it just for you. <laughs> Thank you. You know I like that backdrop. Yes, yes, that's why. I was watching a video of uh, Kirtan in front of Jagannath Puri Temple. Oh. And you were jumping and uh, taking off a um, saffron cap and then swinging like this. That was the most ecstatic Kirtan. That was, yes. Well, you you were there, weren't you? We were at that one, or that was another year? I was there in 2019. Okay. That Two years ago, exactly. That was an incredible kirtan. That was. Yeah. And Gemini Jaya's dancing, of course. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, thank uh, you. Haribo. Anybody else say, like to say hello? Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, Tota Gopinath here. And Kishori Radha. Haribo. Haribo. Good. Anybody else? Hare Krishna Maharaj. You know, okay. as usual, I, I of late you've been you've been identifying the relationship between two people as that energy, you know? Yeah, and you love that. And and I love that. And I love that. It's, it makes it so relevant now instead of just some amorphous, you know. More intellectual conception, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and in another class, when you have more time, if you yeah. could just, you know, distinguish between, because you did make a distinction between the highest worship of God being to serve God in order to please Him. You made a distinction between that and having the highest consciousness. So just a pre preview of my next question. <laughs> okay. I don't really have time today. I actually have. No, to I know. Through. I know. I know. Okay. But I will answer that. Okay. Thank you all. Bunch of culpa through your sacrifice and to be able.